we'll just go ahead and dig right in. If you would, turn, and, and this is a scripture you've heard multiple times already. Um, and I think the whole point of that is that we let this sink in, let it saturate us, uh, God's word, and what it is that the Spirit of God is at work doing in his people. So if you turn to Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26, we'll go ahead and read what God has for us today. So it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Yeah, they are. For those who are opposed to, uh, those are, they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, for the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus um, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you've given us your Spirit and, um, as, a, as a gift. Lord, I pray that you be with us today. Help us to recognize and understand that this gift that you have given us, the Holy Spirit, is what provides these character traits that are yours, would provide them to us. And through time, through the brethren around us, through your Holy Spirit, Father, you are growing us into becoming more and more like, like your Son, Jesus Christ. So in this course that we run in this race, Father, be with us that we might finish well in the end. God, I ask that you be glorified. I ask that your name be great among all of our lips and this world as we see it. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So there's a couple things in the scripture. I mean, it's been gone over several times and will continue to be gone over. But one of the things that I'd like to first and foremost talk about is that it says, keep us from doing the things you want to do. So I'm supposed to preach on goodness today. And in the course of doing study and thinking about goodness, all I kept coming up with is all the bad, right? All the evil, all the, you know... I'm thinking even of myself, you know, how do I portray this idea, this, this idea of goodness, and 
um, I keep seeing myself as falling short over and over and over and over again. But it is these things through the Spirit that is given to us by God that we have, and through, through that Spirit, we have then the opportunity to actually see change take place. Because without the Spirit of God, we would have absolutely no hope. And we have the Spirit because of what His Son, Jesus Christ, has done on our behalf. So it got me thinking again, and I, you know, thinking about bad and the stuff that evil and the things that happen. And of course, it, it turned my thinking to the beginning of all things and the book of Genesis, and, and what happened in the garden, and all of that. And, and it's interesting because it doesn't take very long within Scripture to start hearing the word good. And it's mostly related to God, right? So in the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth, and the Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters, and, and he said, let there be light, and it's so. And God said that there would be an expanse, um, oh, by the way, that was the first day. And, and uh, there would be an expanse and, and in the midst of the waters and above it would be heavens and below it would be the earth. And God said, let the waters gather under the heaven and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And then there was the earth and the sea and God said that that was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, trees according to their kind. And it was so. And God said it was good. Day three, at that point, God said, let the light and the expanse separate from the, the day from the night, and let the sun and the moon and all the stars and the planets, and God saw that it was good. Day four, then God created the birds of the air, the creatures of the sea. God blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. It was so. It was good. And it was the fifth day. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over all these things that he's already created that are good. Let, let us create them male and female. And he created them that way. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. The sixth day. A familiar story. We know what's next, right? So chapter 2 goes into the creation, a little more detail about what's happened. And, and also it points out in chapter 2 that, that God said that there is a tree that they cannot partake in. And that is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, chapter 3, the fall. Satan speaks to them and he says, did God actually say you can not eat of any tree in the garden? And ever since that day, we've been struggling. We've been fighting with ourselves over this idea of good and evil. We thought... Man thought that, they, that he was missing out on something. He wanted to have 
an opportunity to have equality with God and be as good as God. I don't know that that's his initial intent, Adam and Eve's initial intent, but that's what it ended up becoming. He imagined he only lacked one thing, and that is to be like God. And we're still dealing with that mindset all the time. We can continue to believe a lie that somehow our good and our harmonious, peaceful existence is now warped and corrupted because of that sin. But God, being divinely good, has not left us without hope. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it liberates the believer from the bondage of our nature to express goodness to one another and the world that's still in darkness. I couldn't help but think back and I'd like you to do the same. Think back to the time, whenever that might have been. Some of you, maybe it was a really, really, really long time ago. Some of you, maybe not so much. But think back to a time when you were not a follower of Christ. And you're given an, a choice. You're given an opportunity um, that you can do something good for someone else. Or you can do something good for yourself. Now, there's no one's going to know, and there's virtually no consequences, no matter which way you go. What do you choose? I mean, sometimes this is even an issue today for the believer, right? And I think often our view of what is good. Our basic definition is, is really based on false belief, and that is um, it's not a proper de definition of what good is. That is that to be good is just to not do evil and bad things. That would be considered good. Now, I've had multiple conversations with people. I have an opportunity for that at work quite often. And I've had the conversation, and I'm sure you have too, where uh, someone says, well, you know, you ask, uh, where do they believe they stand with the Lord? And they say, well, you know, I think I'm okay. I mean, I'm basically a good person. Or some would even say and suggest that, well, people are good in general. Uh, there's a few bad apples out there, that kind of thing, but when we consider truly what good is, it, it's what comes out of this book right here, and compared to it, we always fall short. Matter of fact, that's the definition of sin, falling short. So, God's Spirit provides for the believer an opportunity to do something that we would not normally 
even be able to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that good things don't happen by non-believers. I'm not implying that whatsoever. There are plenty of corporations that do good things. Um, But what I'm talking about is this heart condition, this heart of man. Um, You can easily guess if you... Well, I can can demonstrate this point quite easily, actually. Uh, Spend... Spend an hour in the toddler's room or, or downstairs with four, five-year-olds. Um, you're going to see the nature of man because they're going to be fighting and fussing over this toy because it's mine, even though it's really not, but it's mine. Um, and they're going to be cracking each other on the head with stuff and, you know, and it's, you know, like herding cats down there because... <clears throat> the nature is, I want what I want, when I want it. So we can answer that quite, if, if you have a, a four or five-year-old and they have a choice of taking the cookie that they've already been told they can't have or going off to their room on their own without any suggestion from anyone and picking up the toys in their room and putting them away where they belong, I mean, which would we assume that they're going to do? And we can make that decision pretty quickly and easily and quite accurately because we know the nature of man. We want what we want because we know what is best for us. Right? The way we think of goodness is, is demonstrated well in songs and movies. And it seems as though I know Ricky has done this uh, recently, get up here and relate things to songs and movies, and I couldn't help but throw that in. I, <clears throat> I was thinking about songs and uh, how we relate to good and bad, and I thought, well, Michael Jackson, I'm bad, I'm bad, right? Um, then back to kind of old school, my old stuff would be George Thorogood's I'm bad to the bone. Um, and in movies, I mean... Even we got good guys and bad guys in the movies, right? And, but the good guys are often doing all kinds of bad and evil things for the ultimate good. And we're rooting for them. You know, I think that's kind of crazy, but it's true. We, we're like, yeah, you know, um, the uh, illicit affair that goes on because these two are in love. And, you know, we, we see how they met in this... this uh, abusive spouse that they're with, and so this is a much better match, and so we're rooting for this match to happen. I mean, where, where do we find that in here, right? But this is, it's, it's common. How about, how about in terms of uh, uh, music? I mean, what about the entire genre of, of rap? I mean, it's about in-your-face gangster stuff that is horrible, really, and yet it's flocked to by droves of people lifting these artists, broad use of that word, artists to uh, some sort of pinnacle walking around making millions on not-so-good stuff, right? This is our view. 
So to say that the fruit of the Spirit liberates us, it's to say that the saving power of Jesus Christ gives us the ability by the way of a gift, the Holy Spirit, to do good when our natural inclination would be quite the opposite. Romans chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Pretty clear. It's the same contrast that we see in Galatians 5. These things are diametrically opposed to one another. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 uses this word goodness, and I'm going to butcher this, but agathosune is this word. And Seth pointed out, uh, Pastor Seth pointed out last week that there are many Greek words that are difficult to translate into English. I would say that Actually, there are too few English words to translate to Greek. Because literally, if you look at the English language, um, I had to look this up, and again, this is not my strong suit, by no means. Uh, The English language has about 175,000, roughly, words that are used. I, I certainly don't use that many. But compared to Greek, they use about 600,000 or so words. So there's a problem. (laughs) Automatically, there's a problem. And so in our passage today, Paul uses the word agathosune. And that word is only used in Scripture four times. Now, The English word, good, if we look at most translations, is used at least 800 times in Scripture. So we got this word that we have in our Bibles that says good or goodness, and the word good uh, 800 times in all of Scripture. I'm going to say there's something special about this word, Agatha Sanun, no, dang it. Um, Agatha Sune, there we go. Yeah, anyway, so what is it, Christos, so Christos is Christos, Christostes, right? Christostes? God, yeah. I can hardly speak English, <laughs> right? I mean, this is crazy. Anyway, so in, in Greek, for the word, English word good, there are three words used in Greek for good. Kalos, I can say that one. Um, that is without defect or beautiful. And I would say that's probably the more common use of the word. That's probably the more common use of our word good. And then there's cresto, crestos, which would be useful, profitable, or in a broader sense of that word would be kind or kindness, as uh, Pastor Seth talked about last week. And then agathos, which is moral excellence, worthy of admiration. 
Those are very, very short uh, definitions. They're much more broad than that. But our word, word good is uh, a very versatile word. It is, it is used as uh, a noun, adverb, adjective, and it's the root word of the word goodness. The common idea in almost all of its uses is that it suggests a desirable quality, something commendable, reliable, welcoming, uh, enjoyable, kind, noble, admirable, exemplary, and very much welcome. And in the word goodness be the, would be the inner qualities of virtual excellence of character, morality, and an attitude that we might see in a person's behavior. Those things would come to mind when using the word goodness. The Hebrew and Greek uses are similar, but the Hebrew, like the English, has a much broader application. The Greek word, agathosune, at first glance seems very similar to Christostes, I think. Um, however, a closer examination of its use would, in scripture would reveal a word indicating zealous activity in doing good. Kindness or gentleness is probably more passive in its usage. So if agathosune is the widest word for goodness, it, it is defined as virtually, uh, I mean, as virtue equipped at every point. And what's the difference? Agathosune might and could rebuke and discipline. Jesus showed Agathosune when he cleansed the temple. And he drove out the money changers that were making God's house a marketplace. What he did was good. He cleansed the temple for his father because it was a disgrace. To see it happen, I can well imagine it didn't look like something good was going on, right? But he, uh, he showed kindness when he was kind to the sitting woman who anointed his feet. He showed goodness and kindness to her. It's a difference. Agathosune is therefore, and I think I had them ask them to put that up, Agathosune is therefore an active, even aggressive goodness. The English word goodness includes many pleasing qualities, whereas the Greek word indicates one particular quality. It is more than an excellence of character. It is a character energized, expressing itself in active good. Agathosune is goodness, but it does not spare sharpness and rebuke to produce good in others. Thus, God can correct, sometimes very severely, and it is goodness in action. Likewise, as a parent... You could correct a child, and it is good because it helps produce a responsible adult. 
that helps define what Paul is getting at in the four uses of this word throughout the New Testament. And it is only used, by the way, by Paul. God, our Father, He loves His children. And His divine character is echoed most frequently throughout Scripture in His goodness. God is good. I mean, we say this all the time. But what does it mean for God to be good? His essential character is only good. This is closely linked to his holiness being totally set apart. God's goodness abhors evil, cannot tolerate. So punishing evil is good and just. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, the rock, God, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. How many times do we have words in that particular verse that would, could easily translate to good or goodness, right? He's perfect. He's just. He's faithful. He's without iniquity. He's upright. And then in Psalm 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, I don't remember when it was. It was some time ago. I, was, I saw either a YouTube video or somewhere. I can't recall. It's been some time, but I saw a sermon on, uh, and um, I don't remember who the pastor was, but um, his analogy struck me, and I just hadn't forgotten it. Uh, because in some respects, it's kind of comical, but in other respects, he's dead on. So this pastor is uh, going to, he decides he's going to go on the sky skydiving adventure. So um, he goes to the classes that you got to do, and then they put you in a plane, and they take you up. So at 13,000 feet, you know, just before you start needing oxygen, um, he... Uh, is told to get up from where they strapped him in along the side of the plane, and, and, they, and they, the instructor connects, they tether themselves together, and he says he walks up to the small garage door that slid up and looks out of the plane, and there's, you know, earth down there, and uh, they got like a pull-up bar that he's hanging on to, and this instructor's behind him, and there's a yellow light and a green light, and the wind's roaring by, and the engines of the uh, airplane are going, and and the instructor told him, now, uh, are you going to pull the ripcord or do you want me to do it? And he goes, no, 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 I, I want to pull it. I want to pull the ripcord. I want to pull it. And so he says, okay, so when we get jump, then I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to bang you on the back. I hit you on the back three times, and that means pull the cord because it's time to pull the cord. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. So yellow light, green light, jump. And he said, and immediately he realized, oh, my God, what have I done, right? I, which I can well imagine. I don't want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Never want to do that. But <clears throat> he said he's falling, and he's got the, the, the goggles, the rental goggles they gave him that, that apparently didn't fit, and he said, you know, like, it's going sideways, and his eyes are watering, and it's, this roar of, of air is going by them. He's, you know, terminal velocity, right, over 100 miles an hour. 
He looks up and he sees this dot going away. That's the airplane he just came out of. And he looks down and there's the, and all of a sudden, on his back. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like doing this, trying to, uh-oh, you know, and he's looking for the ripcord and comes to find it, come to find out that it, it had wrapped around his arm, so he had a hard time getting it. But he finally gets it and he pulled it out like this. He's supposed to just grab it and then pull it directly out like that. And he said, and the second he did, it was like, I mean, he said it stopped immediately. The wind stopped. His eyes started to clear up. And he said, and we're just floating. And he goes, it was so quiet and peaceful and wonderful. And he said, and we came all the way down to this perfect spot right in the exact drop zone where the X was. And they tiptoed across the grass. And the, and the parachute falls to the ground. And everybody's like, yeah, high five in each other. And he said, it was awesome. And then he said he realized after that, he was uh, thinking about that situation because he was talking to a, a young man at a restaurant a couple of days later about Jesus Christ. And the young man said, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not sure I could, you know, I think, I think I'm okay. I think I can do something else. And then it dawned on the pastor. He said, you know, this is not an uncommon thing an uncommon occurrence to talk to someone that is not interested in Jesus Christ. He said, but it dawned on me. He said, you know, he's like the guy that's free-falling, like I was. And instead of when they pat you on the back and say, hey, grab the ripcord and pull it, he's going, you know, I, I think I should try. I think I could do something else. You know, I want to be more like God myself. So I think I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> he did this on stage, and I started dying laughing watching this thing all by myself. But, you know, you get this picture of some guy falling at terminal velocity, just flapping their arms, thinking that that's going to somehow help that sudden stop. It, anyway, um, that's, that's man's nature. We, can, we got some other plan that's going to work. You know, uh, God says, um, yeah, I need you to go through this struggle. I need you to endure this trial. And you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know about that. See, um, that, that's, a, that, that's a little bit rough. Um, we pray all the time for our good and God's glory. And God's glory often comes through things that we might view not so good. Um, so we can flap our arms all we like, but that sudden stop is going to happen. And it might be a lot easier to just go ahead and pull the ripcord and recognize that it's taken care of and it will be peaceful and it will be glorious one day. Through the gift of goodness given by the Spirit, we are liberated from the, wor the worst idol of all, and that is ourself. In Philippians 5, verse 8 through 14, it says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, uh, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So this is, in a way, um, saying that when we put light on, on a situation, we could be putting on agathosune. Sometimes it takes directness. Sometimes it takes um, maybe a little pressure to do good. If our heart is right and the reasons for it are correct, then this is good and glorifying to the Lord. So what did, I mean, what do we do? Paul in verse 25 tells us to, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, uh, envying one another. So, in essence, if the Spirit of the living God is in you, if you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with that Spirit. That means walk in the Spirit. And in the Hebrew uh, and Greek, the idea of walk means it's a way of life. It's a way of living that we walk. You know, uh, I'm not sure how long ago it was, but uh, Pastor Seth had given all of us that were preaching on this subject a, a little tiny book. And I really like the little one because it's only 71 pages. It was an itty-bitty one. Good one. And, and uh, at the end of that book, there's a, um, a section that was really good. Oh, by the way, it's The Fruit of the Spirit Is. And that's the name of the book. And it's written by uh, J.V. Fresco. And the last chapter was extremely helpful. One of the things that he talks about um, is that often in the life of the believer, it is marked by struggle and trial. And there are times where we feel spiritually stagnant sometimes even feeling as though our belief is regressing. The first thing that we need to realize in that situation is that um, in the course of redemptive history, you're not the first for this to happen to. God gives us multiple examples in, in, his, in his word. In the Bible, we can, I mean, look at people. A great example would be John the Baptist. So this is the man that said, Behold the Son of God. He's the one that called out Christ for being Christ. He saves the uh, sinners of the world. He also, he takes away the sin of the world, I'm sorry. He also uh, baptized the Son of God. I mean, you get to be the guy that does that. And that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty big deal. I'm sure at that point, he was, I, I can't hardly imagine his excitement and anticipation about what was to happen, but finds himself frustrated and confused sitting in prison. That's hard, <laughs> right? Um, Moses, he, he never saw the promised land. Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh. 
but all were able to see the promises of God revealed, no matter what the struggle was. So, you know, I was thinking also about this, and I talked to Pam about this story. I, I, when, I was a, when I was a boy, a little boy, I wanted to be able to do things like that my dad could do. Um, there's a lot of young people in here you want to do, be able to do like your parents can do. My dad, he could basically build anything. I mean, he was truly a master carpenter. Um, and he started to uh, give me some attention in that area and allow me to basically play with some of his tools. Um, but I recall one time in particular, he was building a gazebo, a really fancy gazebo in our backyard. And um, I was probably nine years old or so. And I went out and asked if I could help. And of course, that's actually really not much help um, to a guy that's trying to get something done. <laughs> and so he, uh, to keep me preoccupied, he did what any good dad would do. He handed me a hammer and a, and a handful of nails and a couple of boards. And he said, well, drive those nails in that board. Make those two boards stay together. And so I'm happily just banging away on these nails, bending nail after nail after nail, um, until I finally hit my thumb. And... Uh, Blood's going everywhere, and it was unbearable pain. And I'm just screaming and crying, and, and my dad calmly comes down off of the ladder, walks over and pulls out his handkerchief, wraps it around my thumb and says, okay, squeeze that. And I'm looking up to him to, you know, help me here, save the day. And he looks at me, and he smiles, and he says, it'll feel better when it quits hurting. And he turned around and walked away, and I said, dear old dad, you know, that's, a, that's suck it up sissy. That's what that is, right? Just my dad's version. Um, but I, been, I kept, I, you know, got the, the thumb healed, and I, and I kept hitting nails. Um, and eventually I was able to build stuff. And um, I have a disfigured thumb and a jacked up finger to prove it. Um, that means I wasn't as good as my dad because he never cut off a finger, I guess. But I want you to hear me when I say this, okay? Um, what good is goodness if it's never given? What good is patience if it's never tested? What good is faithfulness if our faith is in what we can see and touch? My dad, he loved me in the best way he knew how. But our father, he loves us perfectly. He has given us a hammer and a bucket of nails. And uh, with that hammer and that bucket of nails, we're going to bend some. We're going to have to pull some out. And on occasion, we're going to crush our thumb. But God says, it'll feel better when it quits hurting. Because there will be a day. There will be a day when there won't be any more pain. So, God is also, through that process, building for us a masterpiece. He's building us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So, we are liberated to bring the goodness provided by our Savior Jesus Christ through the Spirit to a world in desperate need. Verse 19, 
Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, darkness, orgies, and things like these. All we need to do is open our eyes or just turn on social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, any of those things. We'll see any and all of those things easily. The world around us is full of these things. If we live by the Spirit, then the world will see the goodness of God. So how is this done? We must first remember the fruit of godliness and righteousness comes only through the Spirit given by God through the saving work of His Son, Jesus Christ. On our own, we are just flapping our arms falling to certain death. I spoke to you when we first started about, about the beginning of all things, and it's easy for us to see the power of God in his creation. He spoke, worlds happened. But God is just as powerful in the prophets of this book, in the gospels, in the epistles of this book. There is just as much power on those pages as well. When we read the word, we are continually pointed to our only hope. If we want to know good, it's found in these pages. Everything else, it's in question. To grow in the fruit of the Spirit is to grow in goodness. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And how do we do that? if we do not know him. We must know him. Another way that we grow in the fruit of the Spirit is through prayer. I just heard the groans in the room. I get it. But you know, um, Jesus has done something about that too. He sent a helper. Paul tells us in the book of Romans how unique prayer actually is. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf, bringing our needs to the throne of grace even when we don't know what to say. So it doesn't say that when we pray, we have to use a bunch of words. Maybe we don't have them. So what I'd suggest is that you set aside some time Get on your knees, humble yourself before the Lord, and say nothing. Read a psalm and be quiet. Prove that the word of God is true. Because I promise you, if you do that, then you will know the time you spent was with the Lord. You will know it. So in closing, show those around you some agathosune. Goodness that is active, zealous, morally virtuous. If we are living and walking in the fruit of the Spirit, we can boldly proclaim as Paul in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. See, there's no need to apologize to one that is in free fall. 
to let them know where the ripcord is and how to pull it. God is good. Let's pray.